Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I said what you know about it. It's the stool, baby. Got the amazing plus. Young stool, baby. And the room a lot. Listening to the stew. My name is Jason Stewart. This is my food podcast. Say hello, Andre Conaparo. Hello. Mm. Well, off today. Well, off with the allergies. I feel You're, like my my deep my voice is getting like ten percent deeper than usual. That's good. A little nasally. Yeah, sometimes when I get sick, I, I get like a sexy voice, and mm. it's it's not a bad thing. You know what I mean? Do you just record yourself talking and listen to it back over and over. Yeah. Or you just listen to your own podcast over and over? I'm severely sick right now. What are you about to do right now? Well, you you're, you have some allergies right now. It's We're seasonal. We're, yep. we're, I always get Super little, dry out. It's dry, but it's also cold, and then it's also hot, and it was like 75 and sunny yesterday. It's supposed to rain tomorrow. That weather always gets me all wacky and screwed up. But to remedy same, same. The, uh, the allergies and sickness you have going on, you did bring over some... Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, I mean that's what. What else was I supposed to do? Yeah. I don't get it. What are you saying? It's either Dunkin' Donuts or like ginger lemon tea. Sure, one of the two. Yeah, it's a cream. It's and they were all out of ginger lemon tea, so I had to get <laughs> um, Boston cream munchkins. Mm. Some hazelnut coffee. Mm. Sometimes you just gotta go for it, you know. Is it? I mean, it's pretty wild. I've always, you know, I've been lucky. I grew up in Santa Cruz, which always had like. You know, good coffee and or better coffee, but just to think like there's lots of places, and this is not a diss. I'm just saying like, look, if you don't live near the beach, you don't, you've never seen the ocean. Like, mm. but people like grew up thinking like this is what coffee is. Yeah, like man. Dunkin' Donuts is coffee. That's when you say coffee, it's Dunkin' Donuts. Mm-hmm. Isn't it weird that for some reason, like the Pacific Northwest is known as such a coffee place? Sure, but for, but but why? I don't know. There's probably a like, reason, but all I, the coffee I have that no they idea. drink is from nowhere near the Pacific Northwest. But I mean, look, I don't know Pacific Northwest that well. I mean, I haven't spent a ton of time in it. Where I have like bigger cities, I mean, like Portland, Seattle. I mean, they're all artisan cities. They're all pockets of mm-hmm. art and creativity. And I think you know, like you can go for a drive for three hours north outside of Seattle and not hit good coffee the entire drive. Yeah, that's true. But you'll but hit just there's little... so many roasters in Portland, yeah, and San Francisco, yep. and like Seattle, Vancouver, all those places they take their coffee so seriously, and it's not. I mean, you're... it's not any colder than other places in America. It gets just as cold in Boston, but nobody, or way colder in Boston, but nobody. It's not. You never think of Boston as being a coffee town. Well, I think um, without knowing, this is an uneducated other than freaking ki- Dunkins. This is an uneducated guess. Yeah, that's what we do here, man. Um, but it's definitely fact. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't think temperature or climate has anything to do with roasting because obviously the beans aren't growing there. So I'm, I, I can't imagine mm. it has anything to do with climate as far as like you, you were more referring to like the climate makes you want to drink coffee. I mean, like the climate for roasting, it can't matter because you're roasting in a certain, you know, I'm sure there's things that you want, variables that you can control mm-hmm. inside of where you're roasting the coffee versus like having it to be like terroir or like something, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, the coffee roasting but, oven machine. It's I've I've I don't know much about it at all, but it seems to be like an yeah, enclosed you, anywhere you do like it a giant yeah. uh, popcorn popper. Ooh, that's I like that analogy. And it just kind of zooms that coffee around, and then boom, there you go. And you know they roast, and there's a lot of good roasters in Austin, um, Brooklyn. I mean, I think it's just like you. What you do is you find people living in certain cities that are kind of 
magnets for artisans, and that's where they want to live, so that's where they roast. But Well, there's flyover states, there's coastal states, and then there's the coffee states, which we, you could call NPR states, perhaps. I think it's a very accurate description. Mm-hmm. Wherever NPR has yeah. the highest ratings yeah. clocked, that's where you're going to find the best coffee, I would say. You look for a tote, you're going to find a roaster, baby. <laughs> yeah, look for, look for a tote with a bookstore on it, mm-hmm. with a bird on it. There's going to be a roast. And you're going to get a nice hot cup of third wave, third wave brew. But so I've gone on record saying that when I do like, you know, donut shop coffee or gas station coffee, as people call it, like I think Dunkin' Donuts is really good. And you mm-hmm. showed me, because I have no social media, somebody has put me on blast saying that they went <laughs> to Dunkin' on, on my recommendation and said it was just hot garbage fire. <laughs> and I was like, damn, I mean, I told you it was like gas station coffee, but the right. best version of it. I mean, You're having some now. Mm-hmm. How would you how would you rate it? I mean, it is It's exactly what it is. The flavor is enjoyable. Right. It's it's definitely not very complex. It's watered down a little bit. Super watery. But it's I am not having any problems drinking this coffee. Yeah. I'm and I'm not again advocating if you like quality things to run out and try Duncan. But I just mean like if you want that greasy like diner burger, you know where that is, and it's like it's not all. It's not like the best burger, but no. it's like what you want to eat mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah, you just need to either grow up drinking it or eating it, or you need to live somewhere that's close enough to where you have a natural, organic way of inundating that thing into your life. But speaking of, um, like a Del Taco. Speaking of climate and temperature, I feel like. The 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 watered down kind of low caffeine per ounce situation that's going on in the normal coffee. I mean, I'm sure you can get this thing supercharged. Like mm-hmm. put five shots in this thing. But I think climate wise, I mean, this is the first time that there's been a Dunkin' Donuts in LA. They're not really on the known for being on the West Coast. They're starting to do that now. But I think you want the biggest possible mug of coffee when the temperature is negative ten. Mm-hmm. Like you want to drink something hot for as long as you possibly can, mm-hmm. as opposed to the only thing I drink out here are like flat whites for the most part. Mm-hmm. Where you drink cortados a lot. It's a, yeah. not a lot of coffee. It's delicious. A small amount of coffee that I drink in a period of two to three minutes. Very enjoyable, very caffeinating, very, you know, an eye-opener, delicious. I don't need to warm my body. But you want something to keep coffee hot. You want to be able to drink it for like three hours when you're like plowing snow for a living. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm saying the watered-down, non-complex, you know, that's Yeah, there's that's a time and a place. That. Sometimes you just want a Bud Light Lime. Sometimes you want a rich and complex IPA. I always want a Bud Light Lime. There you go. Mm. There's actually Bud Light Lime in this Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> cup. You got coffee. I just poured a Bud Light Lime in my car. And this is the Bud Light Lime of coffee. Yeah. In an enjoyable, in a good and a bad way. It's a very good point. We are, um, we're riding high off of Valentine's Day still. Mm-hmm. I, was, I've, I was listening to some other food podcasts where they're talking about how it has sort of become, like Thanksgiving is, the, is like the national eating food in your house holiday and then valentine's day has, has sort of become the the international restaurant having dinner in a restaurant day i feel like it's been like that since i can remember since i was a kid it has for sure but now even more so but now there's podcasts to talk about it right <laughs> sure sure um and i don't even i mean i don't know if i can even remember the last time i celebrated a valentine's day in a restaurant no, 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 no. Okay, hold on. If you go out to eat on Valentine's Day, that's the equivalent of like going out to on New Year's to like a huge party. Like yeah. it's horrible. Yes, but I'm not knocking people. That are like, all right, I can't do anything else. I have to work late that night. Blah. Like I don't have the, sure. the schedule. Like I have to go out if we're going to eat something nice because neither of us can cook. Totally respect that. Yeah, we are. We're in the minority of people where. But you we're go, lucky enough to be able to cook. But it's the worst around. vibe in a restaurant on Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. It's packed. There's no reservations. I mean, and that's common for a lot of nice restaurants. But still, like everybody's kind of like, you don't know what's going on. Everybody's dressed up, and like the wait staff, and they're pushing like a menu that you don't want because you went there to eat the regular stuff they made. It's just like mm-hmm. no. It's like the worst time to go out. Yeah, nobody, nobody's in good spirits really. Sure. I was asking. I was talking to my brother who. Oh, was, people hate it. 
R.I.P. Stewie. He's not here. R.I.P. Stewie. But he, yeah, restaurant. And I was like, so what's going on? um, What's going on with you guys on Valentine's Day? And then he just replied back, just preparing for all-out war. Yeah. And he's and he works in a relatively smaller restaurant on the grand scheme of things. Sure, popular, great, but definitely not like you know Michelin star in fine dining. Not a you know not a place that'll do five hundred covers or something like that. No. in a night where that is real all out war. Yeah, and not like Providence either, where they're, you're talking about like crazy fine dining. You know, mm-hmm. the yeah, I mean, but the expectations are high. The price is high. And then the menu is always pretty homogenized across the board. Well, I, th- I don't know. I mean, I think they're trying to capitalize on the fact that it's the busiest night. They're going to design a menu that kind of, one, is u- unique to Valentine's Day that year. But they're also taking the opportunity that they know you're going to order whatever they put on that menu because you're going out. So they, they also make a menu that has a really nice price point. For what they're making, I mean, they're going to buy a bunch in bulk, and that's going to—that's the dish they serve, and it's mm-hmm. you know like normal menu not available. Maybe do you want the in filet mignon or do you want the chicken? Right. I think they so they can do the volume, they can turn them over, and they can also like look. We know you're going to come, and we're going to make a lot of money off of this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I feel like it's more like eating food at a wedding, perhaps. It's the Black Friday of dining. Yeah, it is, and uh, I choose not to participate in that narrative i would be fine with it i'm not saying like cover your head and like batten the hatches Mm -hmm. i just mean like by choice do not want to do it if Mm -hmm. it was the only thing i could do i'd be like yeah well then you know then i have to and i'll make the best of it but if you electively choose to go there Mm -hmm. to any right i mean to most restaurants on valentine's day it's like that's not the that's not what i'm looking for Mm -hmm. or also if you're in a relationship with somebody who is as cool as you are be like, hey, what if we just go to a nice dinner the day after Valentine's Day or the day before Valentine's Day or whatever the Saturday night falls on that's closest to Valentine's Day? That's, I mean, that, that's that been my life motto as far as like, you want to celebrate that, but it falls on a horrible day? Let's do it on a better day. Mm-hmm. Valentine's Day falls on a Tuesday. Nobody gets Wednesday off work. Mm-mm. So what do you do? You you go have a gnarly meal, you drink a, a bottle of champagne, you eat some chocolates, you make love by the fireplace, you wake up wow. with a hangover the next day. Bearskin rug. <laughs> um, I, th- I understand the idea of wanting to enjoy something collectively with uh, the larger world or the larger we. Um, like, that's why I go to movies, in movie theaters. My favorite thing to do, one. But two... Mm-hmm. When you're laughing with 200 people, it's a lot more fun than laughing by yourself on the couch. Mm. We, we, we gravitate to each other to experience things together. But, yeah, Valentine's Day is not the one that I want to be out about and everybody is, like, on a date. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound like the kind of collective experience I'm looking for. Well, that brings us to what did we make for Valentine's Day? We don't have to get into the details of our Valentine's Day, but we can get into the details of our menu. <laughs> you just wanted to stop at food. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, it's a food podcast, baby. <laughs> um, I actually had one amazing thing happen. The whole meal was nice and simple. Steak, artichokes, um, arugula salad, and then a shrimp cocktail. But I had never, so I got this year, and I've been really lazy about opening it, I got um, a food saver for my birthday from mm-hmm. a good friend of ours. Food saver being the vacuum, vacuum sealing bag that people often use for soup. Yeah, being. it's like it's like the kind of the baby steps until you get into, you know, because you can't really do liquid in it. You have to use a different kind of vacuum mm. sealer altogether, like a completely different contraption for that. Right. But it's like the baby steps, and you don't need it to sous vide, but it can help. And I actually found it. I did it once, and I was just like, oh, I'm completely addicted to doing everything. Like, it was so much fun. Um, and you also... It makes the sound. Well, you can. It also becomes a little bit easier depending on what you're doing too, because you can just dunk it all the way in, as opposed to clipping it and making it mm-hmm. so you can't. So I'm going to do some briskets this weekend, right? Mm-hmm. And I can usually barely fit two into a large five gallon rectangle cambro because the way that it has to clip and has to stay open, mm-hmm. I can do at least twice that now that because I can submerge them all and they can sit on top of each other and they don't have to fit and like. Mm-hmm. So. And when they're when they're vacuum sealed, then they sink to the bottom. Exactly. I mean, like. Ten shrimp immediately sank to the bottom. Wow. Didn't have to put in a spoon in the bag and the whole thing. And, yeah, and ten shrimp weighs, what, half a pound? It was half a pound, because that's what I ordered. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've had 
good luck with shrimp and bad luck with shrimp, or sometimes I didn't <laughs> notice, like... I've had good luck with shrimp over the years. It's been good to me. <laughs> no, but, I mean, for not even a reason why I can understand, I'm like, oh, this got overcooked, and I was paying attention to him, and I don't know what happened, and God damn it. It's a, it's a delicate... It's a very delicate meat, although... Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can get away with it, too, even when it's rubbery. If it's seasoned well, it's like it's not inedible. But mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, I've done this better before. Mm-hmm. And it we, was, we, I, we, as a people, have eaten more overcooked shrimp than we have perfectly cooked shrimp. So it's sort of all we know. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, definitely. But this was by far, I mean, if I've ever made it this good, I can't remember. But it was mm. perfect. It was perfect. It was so perfect. So you got some, what, like, jumbo shrimps? Pretty they big were, daddies? Yeah, they were like um, fresh caught white gulf shrimp um, from McCall's. Mm-hmm. And then in a bag with some Old Bay, some salt and pepper. Um, Old Bay and salt and pepper? It's a little bit. Okay. And then um, just a little bit of baking soda. Which I was reading uh, online, somebody had mentioned mm. that a very small amount, so half pound of shrimp got like a half a, te- a half of a half a teaspoon, so a quarter of a teaspoon, quarter of a teaspoon of baking soda, baking soda, and apparently the way that reacts, it helps with firm texture, firm the texture up, and I don't know why. Mm. Um, and, I was just listening then, to somebody else talking about baking soda and shell on, yeah, for a little bit of the flavor. Uh huh. Um, no liquid, no butter in there, olive oil. A little, little like olive oil, a little, little bit olive oil, oil, but that was optional. Is there, is there anything else that you that you don't want to tell us about, or um, forever hold your peace? No, that was it with a Del Scorcho cocktail dipper. Okay, well let's we'll get to that in a second. How, what temperature, and how long did you cook these guys at? Uh, I read anywhere from 125, which is going to be on the little bit opaque undercooked side. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somebody said 140, which seemed to be on the higher side. Mm-hmm. So I kind of split the difference and did like 135. Mm-hmm. And um, it could have been a degree or two higher without being bad, but I would do 135 again for sure. I mean, it was just so perfectly like cooked in a mm-hmm. way that like a couple more degrees and it would have been that like, oh, is this underdone? Is this it was just like, and they were so plump and they, it was the closest thing that I'd gotten to like, a Taylor's or a Musso's or a Pacific Dining Car cocktail shrimp, where mm-hmm. you're just like, how I don't, I've never gotten this at home like this. How do you guys do it? What and how long did it take to cook? It's 35 minutes, mm-hmm. but they could have been in there longer. With yeah, the I think the sous-vide. window was 30 to 60, 15 to 60. I think a lot of the things I said mm-hmm. that didn't matter. The temperature in between those, mm-hmm. I mean, the time in between those, it was going to be the same. Sorry, temperature very much matters. And then. Del Taco, Del Scorcho, hot sauce, cocktail sauce. Sure. Uh, if you live in Southern California, you know that Del Scorcho sauce is a regional favorite of hot sauce that comes in a packet. And everyone who does this podcast. Yes. It's delicious. And how how did you make your cocktail sauce with that? It was more of a goof because I always put Tabasco in my cocktail sauce. And a friend of mine just bought me a hundred packets of Del Scorcho. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought it would be really funny. And it's, you know, it's like, it's one of those things where I, I was like, look, this is not going to be bad, but I'm going to make a little bit of it. And if it sucks, I'm just going to make a regular batch. Mm-hmm. And you just couldn't even tell it was even in there, but it was just kind of funny, but it was, it was lightly supplemented. Very, it was like, cause you don't want your, it was like three or four packets. And it was, I mean, it's just adding kind of that vinegar. It's adding that acid along with the, like the lemon juice of the cocktail sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get like little notes of hot sauce, and I mean, I really couldn't. Really yeah, you want you want your cocktail sauce to have a little kick, but you don't, or at least I don't want it to be like too like no. too spicy, spicy. No, it's balanced. That's it's a it's a very very necessary balance that goes for me into a cocktail sauce because it's too spicy. You're just like, well, now I can't taste the shrimp. Yeah, I, I say you want it to be a little bit le- less than a Bloody Mary, perhaps. I'm going bloody. I would go bloody mary. I would go spicy bloody mary with mine. A little is, bit more. You're a little biased. A little bit, because you'll just guzzle that scorch down. That was great. Um, and then artichokes. You said, yeah, just um, just boiled in water with some bay leaves. Mm-hmm. Just trimmed, boiled, chilled. I mean, then a nice little aioli. Mm-hmm. And balsamic and vinegar. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
But they were really, I mean, I kind of didn't know what I was going to make for a vegetable, and I love artichokes. I think artichokes are kind of Valentine's Day, sort of, to yeah. seem like it. It's a, it's, a, it's an elegant vegetable yeah. preparation, I'll say. So trimmed really nice. It looked really nice. Um, and the, when I shopped for them, they just looked great. So I was like, oh, I don't know what to make. And I was like, wow, those artichokes look fantastic. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah, that's a, and that's a good rule of thumb to go by when you're making a little inspiration. Just buy whatever produce looks fantastic and go from there. Yeah. Because half the job is done. Sure. Aioli. Mm-hmm. What's up with the aioli? A little garlic, a little mayo, a little lemon, salt, pep. What's good? Yeah, I mean, it's exactly what you what you just said. Mm-hmm. And then steak. Hanger what? steak. Hanger steak. No, it was flat iron. Is it flat iron? I think it's flat iron. Not sous vide, just... No, no, no. Just, just cast iron. Two, two and a half minutes. Put the cast iron in for like a half an hour on broil. Then pull it cast out. Cast iron goes in the oven on broil. For like a half hour. For a half an hour. So it's just beyond hot. Then it get pulled out, and then you put it uh, on your hottest burner at full for like five minutes after you pull it out of the oven. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then you'll steak lick is... your finger and then touch the pan, and if it yeah. sizzles, then it's hot enough. Yeah. <laughs> I close my eyes and see how close I can get to touching the pan without touching it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so the meat ideally has been sitting out for a couple hours salted. Mm-hmm. Um, no pepped. No pepped for me. Understand if you do, but I just salt. I say with this, it, it just burns that pep. Yeah. Uh, and then olive oil right before you throw it on, on the steak, not in the pan. So just a thin rub, rub, thin rub a dub of olive oil on the steak. On the steak. No, no fat. No any kind of anything. The pan is completely dry. Mm-hmm. And then two minutes, two minutes. Two and a half, probably each side, depending on how thick it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not how I would cook a two-inch New York or a two-inch. Sure. I mean, this is, you know, hanger steak is like probably maybe an inch. Mm-hmm. It's a thin guy. So two and a half-ish on each side. Then just double check, make sure. I usually take a little thermometer read. I want around like 130 mm-hmm. for me. And then it rests for 10 minutes. Foil, tent. Covered. Covered. Covered in foil. Ten minutes. Bing, bang. Bob's your uncle. Bob's your uncle. That's how you do it, man. No but, dessert? No dessert. Um, I didn't do a dessert either. But the person I was having dinner with has some diet, dietary stuff, so it's kind of like, no gluten, no dairy. It's like, that's not, you're not going to, there's like fresh fruit is basically what's going on. Yeah. Which is cool, because mm. I am not a dessert head. No. Um, and also, you know, those menus specifically, like, I know some people will do like pasta or, or, I mean, I really want like a Valentine's day dinner to be light. I don't want to yeah. go to sleep right after. I want to hang out. And like, I feel like, although you did something that I would not do, but it sounds great. And I think yours works in a way we'll get to it. But like when you've got like a chicken pot pie and macaroni and cheese, and I guess I described something that nobody ever makes on Valentine's Day, but like I will hear people's menus. I mean, a heart shaped chicken pot pie sounds nice. But I will hear menus and I'm just like, I will go to sleep after that. Like, yeah. how many starches did you fit on a table? Yeah, you're really thinking, you know, you're, you're thinking decadence. Yeah. You're thinking surf and turf. That's what people, I mean, so, yeah, and people think, like, creamy and cheesy and, like, decadent Mm -hmm. and, like, fondue and all this stuff, and it's, like, and that fondue on its own is not heavy, but to me, it's, it's like, it's very specifically, I do not want that, like, put-me-to-sleep Thanksgiving meal that sometimes I hear people describe. Yeah, I I really think when you're designing that menu, you're, you're trying to walk the line between whatever, whoever you're cooking this meal for. This guy or gal, whatever they're into, on the lighter side with a touch of decadence. For so sure. like a lot if you're gonna get like decadent, get decadent with a seafood product more so than like a pork fat belly bacon side of things. Or So there's a nice bottle of wine and then like you know, so the presentation was also to me a big part of it, you know, as far as like Okay, don't make really heavy decadent stuff, but like the shrimp cocktail came out like 
big on a bed of ice with like lemon wedges and the sauce in the middle and kind of like mm-hmm. it was kind of a big it was the bowl and the whole thing was much bigger than it needed to be functionally and it was mm-hmm. kind of like you know yeah i think it's people can get wrapped up in like what is expected as opposed to it's just about you and the person that you're enjoying their company hanging out with and the food's kind of like make the food nice but the food doesn't have to be anything because it's about the company mhm amen brother right Mm-hmm. I made. Um, yeah, this, I've been. We didn't even talk about this today because mine's a little more on the. I wanted to hear it on the air. A little more on the rich side. I did uh, a meal similar to that one I had at Minetta Tavern in New York. Ooh. Um, the first thing was uh, was a farro salad, which mm. was just on my own, but um, farro that I got from the farmers market. It's like real nice stuff. Kind of cooked it a little slow and a little under, and then let that chill in the fridge the day before. Um, <clears throat> fresh shallot, chopped kale, fresh dill, parsley, avocado, mm. and then some like nice purple radishes on the mandolin, real thin, like. Sounds great. And then um, just a simple vinegar, like a real lemony. Dijon-y vinaigrette, toss it all around. That was nice. Um, and then potatoes aligot, I yep, guess, or yep. palm aligot, which is something that I just had for the first time at this place in a tavern. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like... Did you sous vide this? I did not sous vide it. Because I've seen recipes for it to be sous vide. Oh, really? Because you're basically cooking it in its... You know, there's no. Every, it's just gonna absorb every amount of cheese and dairy that you put into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I've never, I've never made it before. Where it just, it's kind of like making a roux almost, where the potato emulsifies it, and you just keep adding more stuff to it, and it just keeps taking it. And it's do kind you, of hard to explain. But do you ever put it through the rice mill? Yeah, you do. So, right? so I just got a couple large Yukon Golds. Peeled them, chopped them into small manageable cubes, boiled them in salt water for 15, 20 minutes till they're cooked all the way through. Um, strain them, put them through the ricer or a food mill. Shout-outs to uh, the stew, stew fan, Do. Oh, yeah. Friend of the show. She blessed me with a very Permanent. nice, very nice uh, all-clad food mill ricer. <laughs> I'd say permanent shout-outs to Do. Mm. Let me tell you, this thing's real nice. It's so, great. Rice, rice a couple up, put them back into the pot on low heat, and then just kind of stir that rice potato mixture around for a minute to evaporate any excess moisture. And then cubed cold butter, stir that around. Heavy whipping cream goes in, you stir it around, and then it really starts looking like white chocolate or something yeah. like that. Like it just turns into... You know, it's not even a potato thing anymore. It's just so, it's like shiny and glassy. And then grated French cheese goes in, like a Gruyere or a, or something like that. Comte. Mm-hmm. Things of that nature. A little, And then I, I put in one um, pressed clove of garlic, just like a super, super smushed down clove of garlic, raw. I was about to ask, so raw, so you're not like... But it's sort of so you're not baking that one little clove and a little bit of oil, poaching it, and then mm-hmm. like so it's so it's going in raw. So uh, yeah, just the clove, but then like mincing it and smashing it and until it's like a, a paste almost. Sure, and then, and just one clove. Drawing the knife back, mm-hmm. cut, 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 smash, yeah. cut, 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 smash. Exactly. Yeah. So just one clove, and you don't even notice that, and then the heat of it will is enough to sort of cook it down. That some Makes of that astringency out of there. Mm-hmm. Just a pinch of salt because there's already salt from the from the cheese in there and a little chive on top actually no um and then you just cook it cook it down and stir it up and it's done and ready Did to go you say what kind of cheese i used a gruyere yeah this makes sense mm. and it just has like a a real melty play-doh like consistency you could have reached out to samantha seeing what up was the right cheese samantha klein our cheese mongress mongress <laughs> mongress 
No, but Gruyere seems like that's that was that would be the first cheese I would think to use. Mm-hmm. Nice and melty, Great. nutty flavor. Still a little mild, not overpowering, but strong enough to know that it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a good way of serving it is kind of like a little mini. If you have like a little mini Le Creuset or like a mini cast iron pot that you can heat up, because the whole part of it being so good is it being really hot because that keeps the cheese really stretchy and and bendy and and all that stuff once it once it cools down the whole thing kind of seizes up so if you're eating it cold it's kind of useless sure because it's half butter and half cheese so it no, just turns into like but it's also one of those sh- sh- scary visual reminders when you eat something you're like no it's not that bad and then you put it in the mm-hmm. fridge and you come back and it's like a cement block that you need a lightsaber to cut unless you heat it up. And you're like, oh my God, that's all saturated fat that's chilled. You, yeah. I, oh, uh, dear God. I had that happen to me this morning. I went and got Korean... Uh, oh, this always happens to me with Korean food. Yeah, Korean jin, jin sol, which is like uh, pork belly mm-hmm. in broth. And then you just have slices of it. And then you like dip it in your little soup broth and all that stuff. And then the person I was with, Chris Chang, friend of the show, he was like, Oh, that's some good ass broth. Like take that take that broth home and cook some beans down in it or something like that. I'm like, All right, fine, I'll do that. And then he told the waitress in Korean that wanted a to go of just this broth and she's like, Okay. Took it home and it's literally it made you sign something in Korean, <laughs> like you had to put your name on a on a piece of paper. And it like, wasn't <laughs> it wasn't as thick as Jello, right? But it was it was like halfway set Jello. But like also, I could have I could have right. stuck. But you're saying you think that that's also fatty because it could just be gelatin if it's like super reduced. But you would know the difference. I mean, it's it maybe I mean, but naturally occurring gelatin from the pork, right? I don't think they added any. No, no, no. That's what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. so if it's a super deuce broth, I brought home some bibimbap, and the bulgogi is like, you know, seems just like no, clean, normal bulgogi. It's fine. Put it in the fridge, and I, then I pulled it out the next day, and it cooled, and like all the bulgogi was stuck together with like white, what looked like white paper glue, because all like- the <laughs> fat that I didn't know was there had had mm-hmm. cooled and all. I was like, God damn it! There's that much fat on it. What the hell? It looks like uh, a noma. Yeah. experiment when sure. they're like we've been <laughs> yeah <laughs> these potatoes were picked in 1998 yeah. Yeah. and we are going to surf them tonight it was like they've been pressed in a nike box for the last 10 years to <laughs> the, make this shape the amount yeah the amount of weird white shit all over it was frightening but hey i mean it's fine so, but it's just like it's just one of those things where you kind of you look at it and you're like that's ah, just some grilled meat it looks mm-hmm. great hell oh, no God. Uh, um yeah thank god our bodies are nice and hot keeps that fat but Liquid. Let's get to the main. Let's get to the main. Then the main course was the main event was a plain cheeseburger, but on the so on, much more on the decadent side. Went to McCall's, mm-hmm. our local favorite meat meat place mm-hmm. butcher shop. They have and they make their own hot uh, hamburger buns there that are really good. Great because they're not brioche, but they're kind of brioche ish. I think his yeah. wife bakes all of them. She's the baker mm. for all the pastries and the breads, and she's incredible. Yeah, it's like halfway between a brioche and just a regular hamburger bun. It's probably one of my favorite buns you can buy. Mm-hmm. Great size because it really grills up. Like it doesn't burn real quick like brioche, but it's you know it's firm. It's really light. I, I, they're a, I'm a huge fan of those mm-hmm. buns. Um, and then got they have their own burger blend meat there, which is real thick grind, mm-hmm. kind of like quarter inch big big worm sized chunks in there, and they'll pack it in your bag of meat real loosely. Mm-hmm. And just I mean, I got a pound of it, and that's enough for four amazing burgers. But I you made two, but I well I did I made I made. Mm, there's enough for two and a half almost three burgers and these were big daddy burgers yeah big daddy burgers and it was literally just take a scoop of that out onto a plate couldn't have formed it more loosely into a patty Mm -hmm. douse it in salt Mm -hmm. cast iron going hot no fat no oil no butter there's already so much fat in there yep and then the side that you salted goes down, 
salt the other side, you know, flip it and cook it a couple minutes, let it rest. And then I got um, this 10-year cheddar they have there where Mm. it's like a little small nub of of cheddar cheese that costs $10. Sure. Real real expensive, real kind of nutty and and agey. I forgot what it's called, but it's it has like a blue label on it and it's kind of a popular one. Um just a little bit of that and it's and it's so aged that it didn't even really melt that great, but mm-hmm. in kind of a good way. Mm-hmm. Like it kind of, like it, it melted on the inside, but the outside had like a weird complex layer that was still holding its shape, so it was almost like like a, it's kind of hard to explain, like a jelly bean or something. Like I had a, like a hard, not a hard, but like a, a shell around the outside and the inside was kind of gooey. Mm-hmm. And then pulled those out, buns went open, open side down straight onto the cast iron in that beef fat, kind of grilling up in that beef fat, toasting up nicely in the cast now, iron. At no point you tried to cover it and hit it with a little water to melt the cheese. No. No, 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 not necessary. I was just curious. I probably no. wouldn't have done either. Mm-mm. And it, by the time ever it was assembled and on the table and eating, it, it was sufficiently melted. But it was almost perfect in a way that the cheese was melted a medium rare, if that makes sense. So, okay. you, yeah, you, yeah. so you almost get... Because when you eat melted cheese, it changes the flavor compared to eating it room temp considerably, I would say. Yeah, sometimes definitely. better, sometimes some, sometimes you like both. And this kind of had both, and it was kind of good. But then just mayo, ketchup, that's it. Meat, cheese, mayo, ketchup. And and I ate my whole burger, and then like a third of hers. And I felt fine. I, I felt amazing the next day. Wow. Felt totally fine. It really was a testament to using very high quality ingredients. Sure. And then today, with the leftover meat I had, I just like made a burger, just like sizzled it up and ate it with some some of your mom's rainbow shard. There you go. A little bit of white rice, a little bit of avocado, and just ate it. It was almost like a what's what's the uh, the Hawaiian dish with the the burger patty and the rice and the gravy? It was nothing like a moco loco. <laughs> It was a it was a healthy loco moco. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh. What's in the loco moco? It's it's white rice, a burger patty, gravy. I think it's burger. I mean, we, I should look it up so I don't get it wrong. But I'm pretty sure it's rice, burger patty, hot dog, gravy. Mm, hot dog. That might be how some places serve it. I know for a fact there's a place on Kauai that serves it like that. I'm trying to Google it. Um, oh yeah, look, white rice topped with a hamburger patty, fried egg, and brown gravy. Okay. So, Ugh. <laughs> so the gravy I had was just stewed rainbow shard. There you go. Super healthy. Instead of an egg, there was a little bit of lebne. Hmm. It went down real nice. I gotta say. Um, but I and I ate that for lunch. Is there a live culture in Lebne? Felt great. Feeling good, great still. Does Lebne have good gut stuff? I guess. I mean, it's 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 just strained yogurt, so I yeah. guess. Mm. Yeah, it's just a thicker yogurt. I think it has more butter fat in it as well. But yeah, I mean, I ate it. I mean, I, I obviously fell asleep 45 minutes later like a baby, but woke up feeling great the next day. Ate it. Ate it today. Felt great. Just super if, high quality meat. If you had had a bun in there, would you have messed with the bun? It's like, come here, bun. No, that's well. That's the problem is because the whole day I was like, I have this baseball of amazing ground beef that's in my fridge. It's been in there for a couple of days now, and I got to I got to get to sizzling soon before it go. It starts turning, and then in all day long I was at the gym just like. I got some sourdough from the farmer's market. I'm going to grill up a little onion. I got some of that good cheddar. I'm going to make me a patty melt for lunch. Ooh. And then I, I was wish like, you had. But then after hitting an hour of cardio, having a sauna and all that stuff, just like, you know what? Just just eat it with some stewed <laughs> shard yes. and, a, and an avocado instead of 
instead of a patty melt. As much as that would have been amazing. Who do you yeah. think has a good hamburger in our neighborhood? I feel like nobody does. Mm. I mean, you can, I mean, I'm saying that because I do not like umami burger at all. There's an umami burger in our neighborhood. I think, I mean, for me right now with burgers, in our nothing really in our immediate neighborhood. But I'm I've, talking about Eastside LA, Atwater. Echo I've been Park. loving lately doing a Friday night Grand Central Market hit mm-hmm. where you fast go. Burger. Yeah, you go to Bell Campo, Campo get a double fast burger, Ooh. some fries that are cooked in beef fat, mm-hmm. side of mayo, side of ketchup, grab a beer from, there's like five different places that serve beer, there's a little DJ from Dub Lab playing music, yeah, I just and you feel just like, eat a damn good burger. I feel like there's room for a good burger on the east side, and no one's got like the burger. Well, I mean, we've got... Burger Lords, but that's in Chinatown or Highland Park. I'm not, yeah, I'm not including, I'm not going as far as Highland Park or as far as downtown. So, but like Los Feliz, like Silver Lake, Echo Park, Atwater. <clears throat> Nothing for me other than just going to In N Out. Can't beat that. Um, Maybe, um, what's it called? Canale's got a burger. Canale. Canale closing up soon. Yeah, they're moving though, right? Are they closing? I don't know yet. I think they're moving, but who knows? Maybe they're just gonna stop. Sure. Um, we got some Twitter questions today as well. There you go. There you go. So this is a question from my friend and fellow DJ and all around curmudgeon Rock Takan. How come those little stringy white things on eggs? Uh, are are at restaurants but not or <laughs> they're they're at home when you eat it but they're never at a restaurant and I, I i had no idea how to answer that question but you know what i'm talking about like the little there's like the the clear white and then there's the egg yolk and then the, the yolk will have some of those like little white gross little stringy guys on there oh like inside like when you crack the egg right. there'll be like some sort of like membrane Huh. And then I was doing some research on it and it was saying that those those little white strings are sort of meant to protect the yolk when it's sloshing around from from breaking mm-hmm. inside of the eggshell and those if you have an egg with those in it that's a usually a sign of freshness. The the older the egg is the more those little guys will have disappeared. And the more fresh the egg is, the more prominent those little stringy guys will be. Well, that's fascinating. <laughs> I kind of know what you're talking about. And I didn't get the heads up on the question, so I, off the top of my head, no idea. But so, sign of freshness. That's what, it, yeah, I mean, that's what I say. Um, this is great to know. But also, like, he was sort of just asking that as a troll question. Sure. We'll take a troll question. Fucking trolls. See if we can flip it. Mm-hmm. And we did. Sign of freshness. Uh, I replied to him on Twitter with that answer, and he said, you did not answer my question. Yeah. Oh, also, I just saw last week's guest, Anise, walking down the street. What up? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people love that episode. That was great. Funny guy. Very. Um, next question from Carlos is dumb at Twitter. <laughs> number no, one, you're not. Number one, pasta shape. From my man Carlos, number one pasta shape. That's a toughie. So if that's if it's not filled, I'd say bucatini. Mmm, bucatini. You like the book? I do. What do you like about the book so much? Mostly the texture, because those. Well, bucatini is the tube. thick spaghetti with the hollow center. Right, it's a thick tube. I think for almost for a lot of sauces, it, the way it coats inside and outside, and then has that texture because it's a tube. It's it's incredibly good. It's more often it's more commonly found um, because of texture, dried instead of fresh. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you, it's it's not it's not so often found fresh, eh? Um, and it's yeah, it's just it's kind of for a texture wise and a coating wise, it's just incredible because you have another element of the spaghetti. You have the inside. It's like seizing the inside of a bird and the outside. Mm-hmm. What about uh, what about your least favorite pasta shape? Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess yours is penne. 
because that might be mine. I would say it's de- yeah, yeah, probably Penny. Yeah, I think um, I really like the. Uh, I really like angel hair. I have to say, I really like angel hair too. I like a nice tortellini when yeah. it's done well. That's why I was saying like filled. Or, so if you're doing unfilled dry pasta, like not a ravioli, not a tortellini. Mm-hmm. Love tortellini. Like a tortellini over a ravioli by a lot. Mm-hmm. I also like a cavatelli. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a good one. And sometimes the uh, or a Sure. Um. So that's my question, and I also I would say penne is my least fave. Um. I was gonna say shell, but. I mean, but the this, the shell penne family, it's not a fan of. I know you said orchid, there, mm-hmm. but I'm not. The penne family. Yeah. Ian, um, Subinai, old old friends. Food destination, city or restaurant y'all want to go to in 2017? Oh, I mean Singapore. Singapore. Hawker stalls. It's my number one food destination if mm. I had to take a, like a gastro tourism thing mm-hmm that's that's good and without uh, it, i've been dying to go there for a very long time i keep waiting to try to go there for work sure um i would say like phew, that's a tough one for for me maybe it doesn't have to be number one i mean it's a it's kind of like what's your favorite record that's not gonna yeah. work but if you want to say something that, that's on the list it doesn't have to be the number one I would say destination restaurant that I would like to go to would probably because would be Favaken mm. in uh, I guess that's in Sweden, mm-hmm. deep in the Sweden. That's just uh, if you watch like the the chef's table or whatever about him and his whole deal, it really makes you want to go there. Um, and it's not. I just looked it up right now. I guess it's not as expensive as I thought it was going to be. The dinner is two fifty. Well, that's I mean, yeah, which is cheaper than Providence. Yeah, but also that's another thing. It's like I've been, I've lived in L.A. my whole life, and Providence has is always ranked as the number one restaurant in L.A. I've never been there, so part of me is very curious to try Providence. Just what what is that all about? But am I going to drop that much coin on a dinner? I don't know yet. Well, you kind of, it's like you always take... If anybody for- at Providence is listening and you want me to come in, I will definitely post a pic of it on my Instagram. Well, you take, you take the city you're in for granted, right? Always. Mm-hmm. So if you were, say you were out a very exotic destination with some people, you're touring or something, and they're like, yo, we're going to spend, we're going to drop three bills on a dinner. You got to come. It's incredible. You're even in that mindset of like, oh, when am I ever going to do this again? Like, yeah, I'll do it once. I'll, sure, let's, tr- let's mm-hmm. do this. But when something like that exists in L.A., you're just kind of like, nah. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like that's kind of that thing where you're just like, oh, I'm not going to do that. That's crazy. That's a stupid amount of money. But you're on vacation or you're traveling somewhere mm-hmm. exotic and never go to again. You're like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, that little uh, that little get, spot's been sitting right under your nose this whole time. Let's just break out this Discover Black card and go ham on it. <laughs> Discover Black <laughs> That reminds. I, I was just reading a review. Reminds you of Discover Cards. Of, uh, Besha <laughs> Rodell wrote. She just reviewed or re-reviewed Alimento. Oh, okay. And gave it four stars. She gave it a bad review. No, four stars. No, she gave it a bad review first. No, or no. She just, she... At first, she gave it like a fine review. Yeah. And then, since it's been open for the last couple of years, Zach um, from Alimento, he was on the show a while ago. Yeah, I didn't know if you, the story was just that it got a great review because mm. uh, to me. That's no, that's newsworthy, and it's also not a surprise because I think it's an incredible restaurant. But I didn't know if there's like some scam, like not scam, some scandal of her like giving it one star when it opened or something. Yeah. yeah, no, it was it was more of the first review when it opened was like good, good, and now it's like holy shit, this place is so good, and and people don't realize it or they take it for granted or or that kind of thing. If you talk about four star I don't really see places getting like on the LA Times four stars is pretty rare. If you take downtown out of the out of the conversation, the first place I tell somebody to go eat on the east side is Elemento. Mm -hmm. Every time. For sure. For a lot of reasons. One, the the quality of ingredients is incredible. The the and you can always recommend Italian to somebody. Mm -hmm. There's four people they needed somewhere to go eat. 
Send them to an Italian place, and they'll everybody will find something. Mm-hmm. But um, but you know they're seasonal and rotating family platters. The tortellini and brodo and broth that are like Italian soup dumplings, the chicken liver pate. It's like there's so many incredible things that I think are there are multiple favorite dishes in all of LA at one place. Mm-hmm. Like there's like three dishes there that I think are some of my favorites in all of LA, as opposed to some places being like, well, you get that there, and then you go there. Mm-hmm. It's great. Agreed. But very much saying like there's so many of these good restaurants right in your neighborhood that you. Never even really think about, and because we're always constantly on the hunt for trying the new spot, even though we kind of know it's going to suck anyways, we're not going to like it. But still, there's the the excitement and rush of trying a new place and having it be really good. And Element is also very unassuming in a wonderful way. It's not a flashy place, you know. It's like it's just very Mm -hmm. neighborhoody. It's um. And I also love the anecdote that a place that I love so much was such a, a colossal Yelp kind of failure. Not failure, but it's got good reviews on Yelp. But it's got a bunch of one-star ratings because they charge you a flat fee of, a, what, a dollar fifty per person? Right. And you have unlimited sparkling or flat, like quadruple filtered incredible water. And then that $1.50 fee goes to the local reservoir, which is just down the block from, mm-hmm. to fund like you know the rehabilitation of the area. Mm-hmm. And people are like, incredible meal, great stuff. One star, they charge me a dollar for unlimited water. <laughs> unlimited sparkling water. It's like, god damn it. <laughs> um, Gilbert Papilla, he asked a question that I don't think we're going to have time to answer. We might have to re- re- uh, reevaluate for the next week's episode, but it's a okay. good one. If you could make a one hundred dollar per a per person tasting menu, what would be on it? And that's a good question. Oh, that's a great. Going to need fo- more time. That's a great next week question. Write it down on your notes for us to remember to hit that next week. Okay, so we're going to start with Del Scorcho. <laughs> um, friend of the show, Brittany Scott at B six 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 S. Them jeans, you think about Fritos. Mm. I enjoy Fritos very much. I used to eat a lot of chili cheese Fritos mm-hmm. when I was younger, and I would often put them inside of a vegetarian sandwich for a zesty crunch factor that I enjoyed. I was just about to say I consider Frito a topping, not a chip. Mm. And the Frito and, pie, and very much like them. But I mean, like Fritos, are, it's a, it, by nature, it's a scoop dipper. It's a dip mm-hmm. chip, not a topper. It's a dipper. I mean, it's, it's really, it looks just like one of those really, high ally. You can't really dip. Mm. Well, I guess well, you I have to get like, the bigger ones. Right. Like the Trader Joe's corn chip dippers. Yeah, no, but I mean, like the actual Frito. They, I mean, they snap pretty easy. The structural integrity like, is not strong enough. But chili cheese Frito, obviously, vastly superior mm. to plain. But it's zesty great. as hell. Yeah, I'm a fan. My dear friend Elliot Foos in New York, them jeans, kombucha, enema or enemy? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I see what he did there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that seems like a real uh, lose lose. I would say with kombucha, it's weird. Like, I don't really find myself drinking it anymore. When it first came out, I would drink it a lot, and I guess I would convince myself that I like the flavor, but. I don't really love the flavor that much, and I've never felt a single physical benefit from consuming kombucha. Yeah, I don't know about. I mean, it's also yeah. I would say kombucha I, is like good for your digestion, your blood flow, your blah 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 probiotics, all that shit. And I've had a hundred bottles of kombucha in my life, and I have never felt any difference whatsoever. Well, it's definitely not a stimulant, obviously, so it's not going to... I mean, technically, there's a very slight amount of alcohol, depending on how you make it. So mm-hmm. take it back. Maybe it's a stimulant. But it's not going to be like a cup of coffee where you're like, oh, that's it's working. Yeah. Um, I love it because my whole flavor profile spectrum is vinegar, acid stuff. I mean, you're looking at the mm-hmm. guy who will take a sip out of, out of the pickle jar when nobody's looking. So... <laughs> I mean, I love the flavor of it, but as far as, like, do I notice if I drink a glass every day for a week do i notice my digestion being different no but i have to imagine it's not hurting Mm -hmm. it's not hurting but i mean people say there's a lot of sugar in kombucha too 
Well, there is. There's, you know, a normal... Because but there is. But it's this, like half the amount of sugar in a can of soda. Sure. And it's probably... It's not white refined sugar. Sure. So there are... But yeah, it's definitely not like something that you drink like water. It's a no. beverage for sure. Well, speaking of that, um, Tisha at Hard Na, them jeans, what is your technique for a quick pickle of any veg? In quotations, or in parentheses, specifically a red onion, though. Yeah. Andre, what is your technique for a, a, a red onion quick pick? Um, boil water, add a little little salt, a little sugar, um, and then some vinegar, some white distilled vinegar or some apple cider vinegar. Bring that all to a boil. Um, you know, and, and so the ratios are depending on like how sweet you want it, how tart you want it. I mean, you'll know what the, whatever the pickling liquid tastes like is going to be very similar to what your pickle, your quick pickle is going to be. Mm-hmm. So drop your onion. You know, I'm assuming you're just kind of like slicing them, so you're getting like thin strips. Mm-hmm. So you toss that in there for maybe like 30 seconds, and then just pull it off the heat and let it sit and steep for like 10 minutes because you don't kind of you don't want to boil the texture out of the. Uh, you don't want onion. it to turn too mushy. You could probably, even if you wanted to, just once you bring it to a boil and all the sugar and salt and vinegar is kind of together, you could probably just then take it off heat and drop it in. But I boil it for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, five, ten minutes, strain it, put it in the fridge and chill it, and you should be good. Boom, boom, Tish. But the quick pickle kind of lives and dies on how thin you're cutting it. So if you're quick pickling carrots, if you're quick pickling anything, I mean, if it's not sliced thin... It's going to be hard to do. It's not going to seep into the sure. into your product. So uh, that's the that's the technique. Make sure it's real thin. And you can do things like you know you can you can put aromatics in there. I mean, you can add like a little bit of a small bay leaf. You can add some black peppercorns. You can Damn. add a little bit to it. But the basics are little little acid, little sugar, mostly water, mm-hmm. salt. You're good. Jeff Henley at Vegan Jeff H. As former vegans, what is your <laughs> go kill yourself? What is your favorite meat substitute? Probably tofu. Or I mean, if you're talking about fake meat, I don't. I mean, it's just I all, don't know if we're talking. You just satan. said meat substitute. I mean, who knows? I would say tempeh or tofu. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious to try the Impossible Foods. Oh my god! Like we we should do that this week because I know they're serving it now. Yeah, I would love to try it. Mm-hmm. I would also love to try that. I think, yeah, over the years, I think tempeh bacon has been my fave meat yeah. substitute. I mean, I, the problem with tempeh to me is the way I like to eat it is crispy, which means you're just frying it in oil. Yeah. But the texture that tempeh takes when it's fried well and kind of done a little not on the healthy side mm-hmm. is incredible mm-hmm. and so enjoyable. There was a, a Malaysian place in Santa Cruz. Um, I'm trying to remember the name. But they did a dish called tempeh lala that was basically crumbled tempeh that they deep fried and then kind of tossed into like a like a honey glaze. Ooh! So this was a this was like a, this was like a, a hot tray place where you'd pick like three items and then white Sounds rice. Like some damn vegan larb. Oh, it was it was. I mean, people would travel from all over to eat at this place. So Asia the, Rose. It's called Asia Rose. Asia Rose. Oh, it was so good and. Um, closed and then kind of reopened and they did a different restaurant but it was never like the original but there would be like vegan people or hardcore kids in from town and they would just eat eat there three times a day while they were there because mm-hmm. it was that good and they had a seitan kind of um eggplant basil dish that was it's kind of like it's it's like that sri lankan or or um burmese where it's like you taste Thai, you taste Indian, but the dish is totally unique. It's mm-hmm. got all these influences. So it was like a classic eggplant basil dish, but it was on the kind of more Indian side, and it had pieces of TVP, textured vegetable protein, so it was kind of like a meaty dish. Oh, so good. Missing mm-hmm. it. Miss you, Asia Rose Cafe, Santa Cruz, California. Um, we need to finish this pot up because Andre has to go. So we will hour. we will enter our favorite part of the show, best thing we hit all week. I will I will start it off. I would say the best thing I did eat all week was the burger that I made, but I'm not going to count that. But I will give a shout out to a, a restaurant that I found that I had a, a nice meal at. Um, the best thing I ate was the fried shrimp heads that accompanied the sushi from Sore, Soregashi. Mm. It's a sort of new-ish 
sushi place, classic Hollywood strip mall sushi. Mm-hmm. The weird part is it's literally in the – if you've ever seen the film Tangerine, mm-hmm. I think it's on Netflix, but mm-hmm. it involves – it's like a movie about trans prostitutes in Hollywood on Santa Monica Boulevard. If you've ever been to L.A. maybe 10 years ago – this was the this Some, was yeah the Santa Monica Boulevard near like Highland. Yeah, there, there that's that's where it was popping. And then in the in the film, there's a street corner where there's a little donut shop called Donut Time. Yep, which was just recently purchased and it's flipping over into a Danny Trejo donut and oh, coffee place. That's where that photo was from. Okay, but the the funny part is this sushi restaurant, which is like a nice little kind of upscale sushi restaurant is in that parking lot behind donut time and me as a child coming to la from orange county going out hitting the town hitting the clubs driving by that intersection it was literally like you could not pay me to walk into that parking lot because no. like a a gang member would rob me. A pimp would stab me. Sure, All I would things. be beaten to death by a by. There's also a Seven Eleven in there, isn't there? I don't think anymore. Okay, there used to be, but it was maybe it was a it was a dicey. One, it was Very probably the so. diciest strip mall corner in Hollywood for sure. And now it is for actual proper Hollywood. Absolutely, probably the scariest little parking lot. Yeah, and and thanks to good old gentrification, it is super chill. Sure, the it's it's the the parking lot where Chuamekin is more dicey than this one. Yes, it's so weird. So the whole time you're eating there, like can't believe it's so weird. But anyway, had a great meal, and it's 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 a relatively affordable sushi spot. And everyone there is That's really nice. You. It's also, I mean, you saying a I think fried a little... shrimp head is your favorite thing you ate this week is, comes as no surprise to me or any longtime listener. If if done correctly, the fried shrimp head that accompanies when you order sushi and you get like the amayebi, which is the the live sweet shrimp, it might be your favorite food. Market in the world. price. I'm I I care very little about the sushi, and I I only order it as a means to get the the shrimp head, which is deep fried. Mm-hmm. It's just when done correctly, I think it's the perfect sometimes bite of food. Sometimes cornstarch, sometimes not. Yeah. You never know. Mm-hmm. And you just eat that eyeball, you eat the brain, the whole everything. <coughs> Crunch, it's super crunchy, nice flavor. This, It's just all there. But now I would say that. What say you? I stumbled on this place. I got a flat tire, as you know, in front of your house <laughs> doing this podcast. So I went and got it repaired, and I just went to America's Tire or whatever in Glendale. I was like, it's going to be an hour. I'm like, God damn it. I was like, you know, I'm just going to walk around and try and find something to eat. But not kind of, you know, like search something out or take an Uber somewhere or a Lyft somewhere. It's like, I'm going to just walk and see the best thing I can find. Mm-hmm. And I stumbled in this parking lot of a strip mall in Glendale that is, there's so many of them. They have like... Two grocery stores and a liquor store and a rug place and a cell phone store that is not branded. And it's all these kind of like random little shops. Mm-hmm. And in it, there's this place called Hamlet's Kitchen, which has one table, one chair, this strange, Sounds huge, a little like mini kebab. It is mini kebab, but even more extreme in its <laughs> kind of sparseness and randomness. Even more mini. It's got an indoor barbecue, charcoal barbecue, that they're cooking all the Lulu kebabs and, and all the meats over. Mm-hmm. I had one of the most incredible things I've ever eaten in my life. I'm going to, I mean, saying it. It was, so I ordered the pork sandwich, which is what I, you know, I was like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to get. And um, it was small pieces of pork, I don't know from what cut, on a skewer. And it took like 15 minutes for him to cook it. It was seasoned incredibly well. And then that is just folded into lavash with a little bit of sumac and parsley and raw onion, and you eat it like a burrito, but they call it the sandwich. Mm-hmm. And it was just, and there's a little thing of hot sauce on the table. Um, and it's, I mean, I've eaten there like three times, and <laughs> it, just, it just blows my mind. The, it's very, so it's like pork chops. Yeah, they're very weird, but small, like small pieces. But mm-hmm. then they have pork chops on the menu. They have a bunch of things on the menu. Um, mm-hmm. But like 
picture the scene where like there's a nine year old Armenian grandma who's like crying while somebody's like screaming and there's four people in the kitchen. This one guy was just smoking inside, <laughs> was just smoking inside the restaurant, like just hanging out talking. Um, Hell yeah. It was wild. So wild. So they're so they're barbecuing indoors, and I go and so I go into order cigs indoors, and like the nine year old grandma who's like crying looks at me, gives me a really dirty look, yells something, and then the cook who speaks English is like, "It's cash only," <laughs> and I was like, "It's okay, I got cash." He's like, "All right, what do you want?" I mean, it was just it's a whole experience. Then definitely got to know the guy operating the grill. And most people are coming and getting like to go or there's pit eating master. outside. And then, yeah, the pit master. <laughs> so he gave me like four things to write down because I'd never be able to remember how to pronounce them. Mm-hmm. But like stuff that if you know, you could get a plate of it, but it's not on the menu. You have to ask for it in our For the heads only. Yeah. One of them's pork shoulder dish and I don't really know how it comes out. And the other one's another pork dish. But apparently, if you know what to ask for, there's like 17 cuts of pork that you can get on that, on that menu. I'm also looking at an, a Yelp photo of the menu from three years ago. They also have quail and sturgeon available. Yep. Barbecued sturgeon. I don't know. I mean, so, it might be like so the stu- it might be the sturgeon salad. I don't know if it's barbecued. It might come no, out. No, no, it's of, in the barbecue. It's area. in the barbecue mm-hmm. area. They also have sturgeon conserva. That's what I was thinking. It might be. conserva with a K. Lotus salad. Wild stuff. Wild stuff. Um, so this is called Hamlet. Hamlet's Kitchen. Hamlet's Kitchen. 1248S Glendale Avenue. It's so hard to find. It's incredibly <laughs> confusing because it's in a strip mall, but you have to go all the way down the strip mall, almost like you're about to leave it on the backside, and there's this tiny little sign in this tiny little area. Mm-hmm. It's really bizarre. It took me almost 20 minutes to find it after I was there at the address, staring at the address. So there, so it's the kind of place where once you do get there, you can kind of do whatever you want. Sure. Hence the guy smoking inside the restaurant <laughs> at 1 o'clock in the afternoon while carrying on a casual conversation. You could blast a daytime cig indoors. Okay, yeah. good to know. Well, uh, hopefully Hamlet's Kitchen gets a little extra business. Check it out. I'm I've been meaning to go with you, but I haven't had a chance yeah, to yeah. because well, I'm, gonna I've ta- just... I'm, I'm gonna take you soon. I'm, I'm going probably three times next week. Hell yeah! Thank you so much for listening, everybody. TheStewPodcast.com is the website where all the episodes live. My other podcast is called Tall Tales. You can find that on iTunes as well. Follow me on social media at them jeans. Andre Conaparo has no social media. My brother could not make it, but he'll be here next time. I don't. Shout outs to him. Shout outs to Jill. Shout outs to Stu. Shout outs to Karen. Karen. Bye guys. Bye bye. <laughs> Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.